0: The Healing Space, a black and queer mental health podcast geared toward proving there's more than one way to heal. I am your host, Sensei Raven Ekundayo. And this week we continue our healers and healing series with award-winning activist, choreographer, dancer, speaker, and writer, Mark Travis Rivera. Founder of physically integrated contemporary dance company, marked dance project mark has spoken at various institutions of higher learning all across the country including both harvard and rutgers universities and mit he's passionate about a wide range of issues and speaks out on topics of disability lgbtq issues leadership and so much more mark is healing he's been in therapy for nine years and today he shares that journey with all of you. THS is a mental health podcast after all, and we're always looking to help the Misfit universe defeat the stigma behind mental health, therapy, and seeking professional help when needed. Mark has a story that will resonate with many of you. So, let's get to it. Misfits, here is Mark Travis Rivera. Nine years ago, I was in college,
1: freshman in college, first generation, first time my family go to college. And I started crying hysterically, and I couldn't get out of bed. I physically could not get out of bed. And I wondered, what the hell is wrong with me? My mind flashed back to six weeks prior to that moment, and I thought about a woman I met in college who was a therapist, and she said to me, reach out to me if you ever need help. On that day, when I couldn't get out of bed, I emailed her saying, I need help. It would be the first time that I reached out to a therapist, first time that I reached out for help in that way. And I realized, in that defining moment, when I couldn't get out of bed, that I made a decision that would forever impact my life. Her name was Daisy. Daisy was my first therapist, a fierce... Four foot eleven, we were showing that red curly hair, Puerto Rican, just dynamite. She was just like, she was so tender and so attentive. And when you spoke to Daisy about what was going through your life, you felt like she heard every single word. She heard every single word you said because she was so present. She'd be my therapist for the next four and a half years until I graduated college. And breaking up with Daisy, or as they like to say, terminating with Daisy was one of the hardest things I ever went through because I realized I would be losing someone that I built a relationship with, someone I trusted, someone that got me through college, someone that was there for me for every low and every high, but I knew the universe had my back. So after I graduated, I to a couple months off before I found a new therapist, but Daisy recommended Mike. Mike, a Puerto Rican, very you look at him and you see a Puerto Rican macho man, but he was one of the most gentlest, honest, trusting men I've ever met in my life. It was it was one of those things where it was like I have daddy issues, and my second therapist really. I never thought I would have a man therapist before, so I was, like, really scared. And, you know, I thought about, what does it mean to have daddy issues? What does it mean to be on this journey towards healing? And Mike was the therapist I needed at the time. Every therapist I've had in the last nine years has been perfect for where I was in my journey. And, you know, after college, working for the first time, full-time job, transitioning out of living from home to living on my own. Mike was that perfect transition for me, you know, and to this day, I'm so thankful that he helped me transition my life from college to adulthood. And I think about what it means, right, when we think about a man talking to another man about their feelings, the level of vulnerability that it takes, the level of courage that it takes. And Mike was so gentle, and he was very different than Daisy. Their approaches could not be more different. Mike took notes during our sessions. Daisy did not. And I thought about, man, how lucky am I to have two Latinx therapists in my lifetime? And then Mike had to terminate me because the clinic was moving to a short-term care. And I was devastated. I was like, oh my goodness, I need therapy. And I knew I wasn't ready to end therapy. So Mike saw me one last time. It was an emergency visit because I was moving out of my mom's house and I was moving to New York City. And the guilt I felt and the the shame I felt for leaving my mother behind, all these things were percolating and Mike helped me process it. And then I went to New York City. The Big Apple. The city of millions yet felt so lonely. It took me six months before I found my next therapist. I'm giving you these clip note versions of these therapists because it's laying the foundation of what I'm going to tell you later. And I think it's so important to realize every person in the universe goes into your life serves a purpose. So I thought about what it meant to wait six months to find a therapist. I I was in critical need of therapy. It's part of my treatment plan. As someone who suffers from depression and bipolar disorder, I need a therapist. And so I thought about what it meant to find a new therapist in New York City? What would be the chances that I would find a woman or a person of color or a man of color, right? Just in general, what would be the chances that I would find someone who wasn't white? And then, I met Giselle. Giselle was a feisty Latina (laughs) who had a fashion that was, like, gorgeous. She was just, like, I really imagine a New York City therapist to be like, she was feisty, straightforward, blunt, tough on me, but she truly cared for my development. So, and Giselle met me at a time when I was living in New York City, when I was like, really struggling to let go of my past lovers, really struggling to let go of the guilt I felt for leaving my mother behind, and she wasted no time going for the jugular. She was like, let's talk about your family of origin because that's where all your problems need to be stemming from. So in that development, in that time with her, we had about a year together. It was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. It was like, even though I thought about firing her a couple times because she was kind of tough on me, it was exactly what I needed to get through my chapter in New York City. And I remember hearing some really tough things coming out of her mouth. And I thought to myself, wow, this is why I still do the work. At that point, I've been in therapy for over seven years and, you know, I'm pretty self-aware so I know enough of the jargon and the lingo and I know when I'm bullshitting, when I'm keeping it real and she just forced me to keep it real all, all the time. She wouldn't let me off the hook. I couldn't deflect with her, which is really beautiful at the same time, difficult. <laughs> Because sometimes you want to flack. You want to flack. So, in this next chapter of my life, I moved 3,000 miles away from my family, my friends, my support system, to Oakland, California, where I would find a new therapist. And and this is a brand new relationship. We've only been seeing each other for a couple weeks. For a couple sessions, I should say. But their name is Phoenix. And, you know, they are not Latinx. They are, um... I believe identify as a black, um, very woman. And for anyone that knows me, they know I love the Phoenix. Something about the relationship with Phoenix from Harry Potter, from X-Men. I have a tattoo of a Phoenix on my arm. And when I came across their, their website and I heard about their name and their consultation, it was one of the most assuring things I've ever done. And I was really scared to go into this new relationship with a new therapist but I knew I needed to. And they are meeting me with so much compassion and grace and empathy. And then I realized, I was like, how fortunate am I in the last nine years to have four different therapists, all people of color, when we are marginalized in this field, when we are underrepresented professionally, when we are under-researched professionally in this field of psychology and mental health. And so I feel so fortunate that I get to work with these amazing four people who have all anchored me in my time of need. And so, of course, therapy for me isn't a one-shoe-fit-all, right? Like, I was fortunate to be a therapist every single moment that I hit it off with. But I know there's people out there that have to go to multiple therapists before they find the right one. And I was fortunate enough to find the right one at every given point in my life. And I think that's the is blessing me, right? It's like, Mark, I have your back. Trust me. Here's a person you need in your life right now. So I'm trusting the universe, and I'm trusting the process, and I'm realizing healing is not a linear thing. It is not from point A to point B or point C, etc. It is a, a loop and a zigzag and a zip and a zap. It's from point A to point 70 at any given point. And Therapy continues to give me the tools I need to refine myself. To refine, to make better, to reckon with my emotions and my trauma. And what I recognize is that when we dare to be vulnerable, when we dare open ourselves up in this way, only then can we truly heal ourselves. Only then can we heal our generational traumas and our past mistakes and our guilt and our shame and our regrets and I am so thankful to have been in therapy for nine years. I'm so thankful to be on this journey of healing and it's not easy. I wish I can say it's easy, I wish I can say that every moment I wake up, I remember the tools I've been given through therapy, I apply it to my life and I make it work. The truth is, therapy is a tool, but you are the worker, you know? therapy is a sculpture tool, when you are a sculpture, every day you are making and creating and taking, away and, and taking away and adding and taking away and adding and taking away and adding to who you are. You know, what's interesting was that the last couple days before this interview, my depression flared up bad. I mean, I couldn't get out of bed, I was not eating, I was drinking, numbing, doing everything I could to not feel my feelings. So of course i am thinking to myself, how am I going to share this story, this this story about how therapy saved my life and how I'm a better man because of it, right? How am I going to do that? How am I going to speak about my experiences when I'm still struggling to get by these transitional moments in my life? And then I realize it's the struggle, it's the moment that we're dealing with our own issues that gives me the opportunity to practice what I preach, to practice what I teach, practice what I learn in therapy because again healing is not linear so of course I'm going to have some, some drawbacks I'm going to have moments of failure moments of discomfort moments of overwhelming intense feelings right of course it's going to happen but I think what's most important to remember on your own journey and I think it's important to point out how privileged I am to be able to afford therapy you know, most of my therapy sessions were free, up to a point until I met Giselle in New York City, then I just had to pay a little more. Uh, and now I pay full pocket, out of pocket. And so I acknowledge how privileged I am and how fortunate I am to do this work, right? To, to, to be able to have access to those rooms and those clinics and those people and the resources I need to have therapy. So I want to acknowledge that because I think, you know, when we talk about everyone should go to therapy, everyone should get access. I know it's not the case for everyone. I know not everyone has access to those rooms, or the ability to get a therapist, a good therapist, you know, and so I think, (sighs) I just feel so thankful and so grateful that I get to live this life and I get to go on this journey of healing with people who are professionals, people who can have my back, people who can guide me on the way to healing.
0: Many of us suffer in silence when dealing with our mental, emotional, and physical pain. Mark continues to do his healing work, and with the help of the therapists he's had in his corner over the years, he's made progress. But breaking that silence isn't always easy, and tackling the trauma that comes with the pain of family can prove to be almost impossible for most. Listen as Mark speaks on these topics and how important it is for you to get free.
1: I want to talk about something that I I think we rarely talk about in people of color communities and in the black and brown communities that I I grew up in, is how our families pass on trauma and how we don't talk about it. You know, Audre Lorde said it best, you know, your silence will not protect you. And I realized that there has been so much silence in my family. Things we won't discuss. Things we won't talk about. And I wonder, why did I choose to break the silence? Every day I talk about my mental health journey. Every day on social media I post more reflections. And sometimes they talk directly about my healing journey. And I wonder, why do we not talk about this more? Why is there so much stigma and so much shame about seeking therapy or being in therapy or getting help? or suffering from depression, or bipolar disorder, or a mental personality disorder, or any disorder. Why is there silence around it? The truth is, we can't pray it away. Sometimes we need professional help, and there's nothing wrong with that. My journey has been one of ups and downs, and I realize I am breaking the cycle in my family, of those who suffer in silence and refuse to seek out help. Because of me, I think my niece, who's 17 years old, feels more comfortable saying, I need to go back to therapy, I have anxiety. And I think she's breaking that silence because I've already broken it. I have broken that cycle of of being silent in your suffering. So my advice to anyone out there who's carrying trauma, who's struggling to break the silence, please break it. Speak out, reach out, get help, call the hotlines, because life is better. When we aren't silent about the things that trouble us, life is better when we dare to speak up and say, "I am not strong enough to carry this load on my own. I need help." Vulnerability is the greatest measure of courage. I think about Brene Brown, who has changed my life fundamentally, and I think about what she says about vulnerability—how the birthplace of innovation, creativity, change, and love. And I couldn't be the man I am today, it wasn't the like fact that I was in therapy for the last nine years. Therapy has made me a better man. Not a perfect man, because there's no such thing as perfect. But it's made me a better man. It's allowed me to reckon with my feelings, and my traumas, and my regrets, and my mistakes, and realize one important thing. I am enough. I am enough. I am imperfect. I am so worthy of love and belonging. I belong here. Even when I feel I don't belong, I do belong. My life matters. It has value. It has something to give to the universe. And it's my job to make sure I share my story. Not for the sake of inspiration. Right? But for the sake of someone seeing themselves in me. Because representation matters. It so matters. It matters when you hear stories that reflect your lived experiences. So I think people like Darnell more. No Ashes in the Fire, right? His memoir. I think about Janet Mock. And I think about people who share their stories with me. With the world. And how it makes us braver. So maybe you're struggling to reach out for help. Maybe you think you have it all on your own. You can handle everything. I'm here to tell you, it's okay if you don't. It's okay if you can't. You know, I had a defining moment in my life. In 2012, I almost died of alcohol poisoning. And I had nine shots of Bacardi, an entire bottle of white wine, and some other substances I can't remember. And I blacked out drunk. I hit rock bottom. People turned their backs on me. And the one constant person in my life at a time was Daisy. She had my back. She was a fierce advocate for me. I think about the many times therapy has saved my life. How just when I reached the edge, just when I reached about thinking about killing myself or ending it all, I would go into session and process everything and feel better. I wish we had a country that valued mental health and valued taking care of each other. I wish we lived in a nation that spoke about mental health openly, without shame, without stigma, because we're quick to blame mass shootings on mental health we're not quick to address the mental health issue in our country. So here we are, at a pivotal point in our lives. Mass shootings seem to happen every other week. We have a president that degrades and dehumanizes people and puts them in cages. We are carrying trauma like a badge of armor. Who is more hurt? Who has been more weakened? The truth is, we have to take off our armor, take off our masks, and allow ourselves to be seen for exactly who we are. Authenticity has been the key to my success. It's why my book is resonating with people. It's why when I speak in public, at different universities and colleges, I resonate with the students. It's why my dances has resonated with people. The truth is, authenticity is freedom. It is the key to freedom. It's the ability to say this is who I am today. I'm not sure who I'll be tomorrow because I'm ever-growing, ever-changing. But this is who I am today. So I want you to be more courageous with your life. Be brave. Be authentic. Be yourself. Even if that means dealing with rejection. Even if that means losing friendships. Even if that means losing family members. Being real is not easy. But I'm telling you, is where the freedom of my life started and continues to thrive in. I am free because I am real. I am me. I am Mark. I am imperfect. I am flawed. But oh my goodness, I am free. And there's nothing greater than freedom. So, to young black and brown boys who are listening to this podcast right now, who are wondering if they have the courage to reach out for help, Please do. Don't wait until you hit rock bottom. Don't wait until things get really bad to do so. Do so now. Reach out. Start with a friend. Build the courage. Then reach out to a professional if you have access to that professional. Call the hotlines. Know that your life matters. You know, I am, I, um, as a disabled person, I hate when people call me inspiration. I know they mean well, but inspiration and disability culture clashes a lot, and um, I think about my life's journey and what I aspire to do, and I used to say, I aspire to inspire, because I thought that was cute. Then I realized, no, you don't want to inspire people, you want to empower people. You want to be a possibility model in other people's lives. Possibility models. I prefer that over role models because role models implies that there's some pedestal there's some scales That you put this role model on top of and they will surely fail you Because when they slip and fall, you're gonna be disappointed and devastated Possibility models are not put on pedestals. They simply exist to show you what is possible So I've committed myself to living a life of possibility of being a possibility model And I wish I can tell you it's easy. I wish I can tell you that after nine years of therapy, I'm healed and I'm done, but I'm not. I still have daddy issues. I still have men issues. I have commitment issues. I have relationship issues, but I think we all have issues. I think life wouldn't be what life is if we didn't have issues. I think one of my greatest issues that I deal with if I can be vulnerable with you all is not having a father in my life and having that parental love and support from a man. And I know we have non-nuclear families now, and I know that we have queer families and same-gender families, and that's awesome. But I didn't have a steady foundation for my parents. My dad abandoned me before I was born, my mother's mental illness took over, and I didn't get the foundation I deserved. So here I am, building a home on a rocky foundation, and the home keeps crumbling down with every storm, with every hurricane that comes by my life. So I decided this time, instead of building from the debris, instead of rising from the ashes like a phoenix, I'm going to focus on the foundation of myself. So next time I build something, I'll build it on a foundation that can withstand the storms and the hurricanes. And the wind gusts. My biggest issue is that I'm worried i am never be loved. That I'll never find a life partner to share this life with. That I'll be single forever. I know it's lower rational. It's an irrational fear. I'm only 28. But I have spent more of my time single than most of my friends. I have the success of my career and my life milestones. And I think to myself, Why does any of that matter? when I don't have someone to share it with. Then I tell myself, the right person will come along when your foundation is ready for love. So keep loving yourself. And I wish that was easy, but loving yourself doesn't hug you at night. Loving yourself doesn't kiss you at night. Loving yourself doesn't mean you get the pleasure of another touch against your arm. But here we are. This is the healing space I'm in right now. Thinking about my journey, my foundation, and the people who have helped me get here, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to be in a space that allows me to. So if you're wondering if you can do it, if you're wondering if you can reach out for help, no, you can't. Make a decision for yourself to better your life. The road ahead is not going to be easy. It's one worth traveling. Thank you for listening.
0: We've long passed the days of therapy being taboo. Of it being something only white women in Calabasas or the Upper East Side partake in. Therapy is for everyone. And Mark has proven that they can look like you too. His therapeutic journey has been helped in large part because his therapists fit with his journey. So the goal isn't to look, not find, and give up. No. It's to care enough about your well-being to search out someone or ones who match your journey. So I'd like to thank Mark Travis Rivera for sharing his story. I pray it's helped. I pray it's healed. If you'd like to reach out to Mark or walk with him on social media, you'll find all of his contact info in the episode description. Thank you all for listening, misfits. And until next time, I love you all. Namaste.